0: i got to tell you one more story that was awesome. You know, when I, I shared with you before when I ran for office, you know, Dave and Lori Alicea, um felt impressed of the Lord just to bless me, to help me out with the campaign, okay? So they um, rented a hall. They paid for all the food. I mean, they spared no expense. The only problem was when they took this great act of faith on my behalf, then Dave proceeded to lose his job. Now, I just want to tell you, we've been having various people give testimony, and we're going to continue to do that. I want to encourage your heart. But how I many of you know, sometimes when you make a big, bold step of faith, you get surprised in the other way. And, and I've had people say to me, Pastor, what's all this about? And Dave reminded me of something in the hallway today. In fact, Dave we came up at the altar. We had an amazing time of prayer, and he, he, he told me something else that, that they had done, believing that their children and their children's children would all be walking in the fear of the Lord and loving Jesus. But here's what he did. when They got together, and they said, Look, we're either going to follow through on what we committed uh, to do and trust God for the money, or we're going to just pull the plug on everything and retreat, or we can do something else. And I love this. They said, You know what? All right, Satan, if you're going to try messing with us, we're going to go and we're going to rent a limousine so that when Pastor comes here, we're going to drive him home and his family in a limousine. Now, let me just tell you something. If you know me, I'm not driving hot cars, all right? I got nothing against them. But I want you to know when I caught Marion as my wife, I was driving a car that a grandmother in our church gave to me at the time. I was very grateful because it was the only car I had. When I would pull up to the stop sign, I'd have to put it in neutral to keep the car running, and I'd have to rev it, and then I would drop it in to drive. Everybody's head in the car would go back with whiplash, and and normally the car would backfire, which caused everybody outside the car to hit the ground. They thought it was you know, some type of gang activity taking place near them. So she did not marry me for my hot cars, and I'm just telling you, Here's the point. It wasn't about, oh, Pastor deserves to be driven around in a limousine. You're missing the whole point. This is the point. It was a poke in the eye of the enemy. It it, it was a, oh, you think you're going to cause us to retreat? Oh, we're going to take it one notch up. They upped the ante. And David shared this morning, after they did that, he got two job offers, not one job offer, and was working two jobs at the same time. How many know God loves it when your faith and confidence is more in his ability to provide for you than it is in your ability to budget and figure it all out? And I'm telling you this because some of you are like, man, pastor, we, you know, we, we try to do right, we try to give, we try to honor the Lord, and it seems like we're going backwards. Poke the stinking devil in the eye. Draw your line in the sand and let him know who you are, who your daddy is, and that he's faithful to provide for you. you got to have your own stories. I can't make this stuff up. you got to have your own stories. God will treat you as the unique son or daughter that you are. But he's no respecter of his kids, all right? He loves you all. And he wants to demonstrate his goodness to you. If you look in our bulletin, notice uh, I, we up weekly updates at the I-54 campaign. Just so you know, last Sunday, again, way over our budget. Praise God for that. The Lord is providing. Uh, met with bankers this week. They loved us. Uh, uh, when bankers love you, that's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They just loved us. And, uh, and we're looking to break ground probably, like I say, in a matter of weeks. So keep praying. Keep praying that through. Very, very exciting. Amen. I am so excited today. I can hardly contain myself. Anybody? Are you ready for this? All right. We're talking about restoration. And as you all know, we're wrapping up our reverse series. The whole idea since Easter has been Jesus came to reverse the curse. Amen? And we've been talking about some key words, redeemed. We talked about renewed. Last Sunday, man, the Holy Spirit was moving like crazy, uh, touching people. We must have had a dozen people give their lives to Christ last week when we talked about the new birth. And I'm praying, amen. Give the Lord a hand. Yes. Um, I just want to see a steady flow of of desperate people finding what Jesus has to offer through us and in this place, amen? So anyway, reversing the curse, I was thinking of that great Christmas carol we sing, but it really shouldn't be sung just at Christmas time. it really should be sung all year long. It's called Joy to the World, you all know it. But I love the, the passage in Joy to the World, the verse that says this, No more let sin or sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Can you say amen to that? Wherever the curse has been on our lives, Jesus comes to reverse the curse and to make his blessings flow. And so we talked about the fact, and this is such good news for all of us, you know, the Lord is in the the salvaging business. He's not a throwaway God. There's not a single person in this room that's messed up their lives so badly that you're beyond hope or beyond repair or beyond the love of Jesus. Aren't you grateful for that? God's not going to throw you away. You haven't reached some threshold where you, you, you hit the tip point, and you sinned one too many times, or you messed up your life one too many times, and now you're unredeemable. That is a lie from the pit of hell. In fact, we share Jesus is a redeemer. He went to the slave pit of this world. He purchased you with his own blood, and he bought you for himself. You belong to him. Can anybody say praise God? Uh, We belong to him. Secondly, though, we said the wind of the Spirit is blowing, bringing about a renewal in our hearts. And I told you before. If you're one of these people that if somebody asks you, "Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you going to spend eternity with God?" and your answer is, "I hope so," or "Well, I think so," or, or maybe," uh, that's the wrong answer. Only you know if you're a child of God. I got an instant message a couple weeks ago from one of my neighbors who said, "I just want you to know I am a daughter of God." That was her way of of using the language that we preached that Sunday, that she had sealed the deal and made sure that she knew the Lord. See, when Christ comes into your life, he gives you a new heart. The old one's gone. He replaces it with a new one. Aren't you grateful for that? And that new heart loves God. That new heart loves righteousness. That new heart loves to do what God likes doing. So I just want to ask you, if you find yourself constantly, you've got to drag yourself to church, drag yourself to prayer, drag yourself to read the Word. You're not happy about your life, your future, you're just miserable. I would have to ask this question, have you truly met Jesus? Because He changes everything and you become a new creation. So today we want to talk about The third important, re. It's a restoration. Restoration. It literally means to restore, and if you think about it, when you you go to the supermarket and you buy a bunch of goods, after you clean off the shelves, someone's got to go back and restock the shelves. Well, restoration is God restocking your shelves from everything the devil stole from you. That's what restoration is. Now, before I get too far here, you know, next week is Mother's Day, and uh, and we are going to honor the ladies of this house like we always do, and we're going to especially roll out the red carpet for all you moms just to let you know how precious you are, how much God loves you, how much we love you. And I like to turn my wife loose at least once a year to have a heart gush. Now, I was kidding her. Marion, Marion all this week, she'd be saying, honey, i got to get away. i got to spend time with God. i got to get my notes together. And she will come with 86 pages of notes, and she will cover none of it, all right? She will... But she will have a massive heart gush, and she will encourage you in a great way. And I, I shared it this morning. I don't share this as a, as, a, as a means of flattery. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. We've been married now for 32 years. I've known her for 34 years. She's been my best friend for 34 years. Um, and uh, I am still have moments in our marriage. I know her better than anyone and love her more than anyone. And there's still moments in our marriage where I am absolutely stunned by her beauty, the beauty of her life, the beauty of her heart the beauty of her love, the beauty of her compassion, like Andrew talked about. I just get stunned sometimes, and I just have to go, God, thank you for putting me in covenant relationship with a person who constantly challenges me, just by her life, to love more. Isn't that good? So, she's gonna love on you all next week, and uh, stare on you, and have compassion on you, just like Andrew taught her. And She'll probably chase you around the building or out, out the door, just like Andrew modeled for us. All right, Um I'm going to do something else real quick. I'm just all confused this morning. We've got, some, we've got some new members that I want to welcome now because we're going to get into a flow here. I just gave you, I gave you the foretaste. But Marion, come on down here. And we've got some new members we want to welcome. Make sure you all greet them as they come forward. Isn't she wonderful? Golly. Golly. All right. Oh, come on. All right, we have... Ashley and Eddie Daly Young, if you guys are here, come on down. Ashley and Eddie. There they are. Yeah, come on up on stage with us, you guys. Love this couple. And also Madison Degoe is here. Madison's awesome as well. We're excited to have her and our family. Come up on stage. Afterwards, we want you guys to go in our welcome area there and let everybody come and greet you. but uh, we're always all excited to add new members to our family. We've got a little journal for you guys as you're spending time with Jesus to be able to write some good stuff down. Um, but membership, we think everybody should be connected to a local church. Everybody should have a place to call home. Everybody should be rooted and grounded and established. That's how you thrive. Uh, we take care of you. We love you. We want to shepherd you, pastor you. But I mean, you know, we, we believe all of you are sent here to help take us to a whole other level because you have gifts, you have callings, you have anointings on your life, and, uh, and we need that. So uh, we want to love you well, care for you, and partner together, and we believe you know we've got some great stuff to do together. So extend your hands. We want to bless these guys. Lord, thank you for family growth. Thank you for precious people that have chosen to call Living Stones their home. We thank you for their lives. We pray that you guys would prosper here, that you would grow, that you would be fully equipped, that God would use you in ever-increasing ways, that you'd be so loved, so accepted, fit in like a perfect puzzle piece, and that you would uh, never, ever have to question whether or not you're in the right place at the right time and the right season, that God would use you in great, great ways. So, Lord, thank you for these precious lives. Bless them in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so right after service, you guys know where to go. You'll have about 500 people come hug you and introduce themselves. Make sure you guys do that. All right. All right, now the confusion is lifting. I'm coming back to my senses. Maybe. And we'll get back in here. Open up to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at restoration. As it relates, you know, Jesus isn't about stocking our shells, but he is about doing a lot of things. How many of you know he wants to restore us to life, restore us to health, restore us to freedom? In fact, one of my favorite verses, you see it on the screen, Acts 10.38. What was Jesus doing while he was on planet Earth? This is what he was doing. You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. What was Jesus doing? He's doing good. He's touching people. He's setting people free. He's bringing restoration. That's what Jesus is doing. He restores a place of of joy in our hearts. He heals our hearts. And this is what I love about the principle of restoration, is that Jesus is able to look at us and see us as he intended us to be. In other words, he's got the model. And he's able, by the process of going through life, knowing Christ, growing in Christ's likeness, how many of you know God is forever restoring us into the image that he intended for us to be? Fully, the Bible says that that we've been redeemed so that we might be conformed to the image of his Son, which is good news for all of us, which means every single year, if we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, God is shaping us to look like we were intended to look like, which is awesome. And I shared this this morning. This would be a great trivia question. But when you look through the Bible, it's pretty neat. Every single miracle Jesus did in the Bible, except for one, was a miracle of restoration. That means he was healing people, restoring their health, restoring their hearts, having people be born again, casting devils out of folks and bringing them into liberty and freedom. Everything Jesus did was about restoration, except one time. Remember what he did one time? He cursed the fig tree, right? It withered up and died. So I just want you to see the grand picture of what Jesus did in his ministry was to bring life and restoration everywhere he went. Now, let's just back up, because sometimes we get, a, we get the uh, apple cart ahead of, of where it's supposed to be, all right, ahead of the horse. Why is it that restoration is such a vital uh, message of the gospel? Why is it so important? Let me tell you why it's so important. Because how I many of you know every single one of us in this room here today are broken people? Every single one of us has been marred by sin. Every single one of us has been damaged in some way. And I don't know about you, but if you just pause sometimes, all you got to do is watch the evening news. How many know you can get depressed in in a millisecond uh, watching the evening news? In fact, I I just want to say this, please have a more regular time with Jesus than you do a regular time watching the news every night. Um, Because we're living in a time where we used to be somewhat insulated from evil. People, of course, would know about evil in their own neighborhood, um, but we get to see evil all over the globe. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's just overwhelming to me. When you see the hatred, when you see the violence, when you see the perversion, when you see the, the cold-hearted, uh, callous nature of sin—I mean, you know—the devil is cold-hearted. Uh, he hates people. He hates some big. He hates some little. He hates some old. He hates some young. He hates everybody in between. That's the way we live. That's the world in which we live. And there's not a one of us. If I just went around the room and, and asked you, you know, where do you need restoration? Uh, I don't think anybody would say, hey, you know, I'm good. No, if you pause long enough, every single one of us has been damaged. Uh, we've been hurt. There's people in here that have been sexually abused, emotionally abused. So, you know, I, I joked this morning, I work at a pretty great environment here. Um, most of the people on our team are saved most of the days. Um, um, we generally really love each other and serve each other. Occasionally, we make grace for someone to have a less than stunning day. You know, but I, I know I live in a bubble. You know, this is a bubble. You know, my dad and mom, they're pretty nice people. You know, I don't mind working with them. They're pretty nice people. Pastor Dick and Susie, our staff, you know, nice people. But you know what? You guys got go to go out there. I mean, you know there's not nice people out there? Some of them are even, I think this is even a biblical word, idiots. The Greek word is idiotes or something like that, but it's, it's actually in the Bible. It's a biblical word. And some days we can actually look in the mirror and, and, and go, I are one, all right? Because how many of you have had days when you needed the grace of God in your life? So we all need fixed. And the good news of the gospel is when Jesus came to planet Earth, his goal was a reconnaissance mission to fix messed up people. Now salvation is a good start, are you with me? getting a new heart. That's a huge start in the right direction. But even after our new heart, we still deal with people who hurt us, people who aren't so nice, people who aren't kind. Uh, there's some of you out here, you've been involved in business situations or people robbed you or stole from you. Uh, there's other people that have been involved in relational breakdown and hurts and so forth and so on. Some of you have had death in your family. There's been a, a terrible tragedy, a, an accident of some sort, a murder. Uh, I mean, we live in a world on a planet that is absolutely messed up and evil and dark. But here's the good news, and this takes us to, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I want us to begin reading in uh, verse 14, but right before Luke 14, Jesus is in a battle, and he's in a battle for us. You remember the story. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights of intense warfare. I many of you know, That is a picture, by the way, of what's happening on planet Earth. Some of you need to realize that when you wake up in the morning, if you're a son or daughter of the Lord, you're living in enemy territory that is contested ground. And sometimes people get this idea that we're living that like this is heaven, and God's job when we get saved, He gives us a ticket to the love boat, and we're just going to float around, live live in bliss until Jesus shows up, uh, and then take us to heaven. This is not heaven. This is not the love boat. This is a battlefield. And sometimes Christians have this kind of naivete, like, why is this happening to me? Does God not love me? Are you kidding me? You've been purchased with the blood of his son. Let's forever settle that question. He's crazy about you. But here's the reality. This is war. And, And let me just pop some more bubbles while we're at it. Your personal holiness does not exempt you from suffering, trials, agitations, attacks from the devil, or any of the other things of life because you're holy and consecrated and set apart for God. In fact, I'd like to suggest it puts a bigger target on you. This is battle. I came into church last Sunday. I had a great week. I was happy. Everything's going good. I walk into my office, and I feel oppression hit me like a, like a, a ton of bricks. You ever have that happen? You're like, why am I so heavy? Why am I fighting? Uh, the, the band started playing a song last week. I got agitated. I like that song. I don't know why it was agitating me. It, I was agitated, and then I, I paused long enough, and I went, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where am I? What's getting ready to happen? Wait a minute. Maybe there's something really good getting ready to happen. Because the enemy's trying to knock me out. So you know what I did? Turned up the volume on my worship. I said, devil, get out of here. I'm not going to let oppression come over me. I'm going to walk in the joy of the Lord. We're going to have a great morning. There's probably lots of people that are going to get rocked today. You know what happened? Lots of people got rocked that day. And by the end of service, come on. Here's my point. We got to get smart. We got to get smart. Some people, they're all shocked. Oh, my gosh, why is this happening to me? Why not you? You got a special card or something? that you? I'm a Christian. I don't know why this is happening to me. You're a Christian. That's why it's happening to you. Shut up. We're in an army. This is not a Girl Scout troop. This is an army. Okay, I'm going to settle back down. All right, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus comes out of the warfare for us. He wins. He comes out of the warfare. And it says this. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. That's what we're after. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual. Jesus had a regular habit. He went to church. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this is written. He's reading from Isaiah 61. This is Jesus speaking. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolls up the scroll. He hands it back to the attendant. He sits down. Everybody's eyes are staring at Jesus. And then he says something radical. The scripture you've just heard me read to you this very day is fulfilled. He's saying, I am the fulfillment of that prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. It's being fulfilled today. God's favor is here. The power of God is here. The presence of God is here to heal the blind, to to raise people that are dead, to cast out the devil here today in me that's what jesus said how I mean, you know he was throwing the gauntlet down in the devil's face i you know i've said for years you know when when jesus came and was born in the flesh Taking on a body like ours. And when he came out of that birth canal and gave a cry like every normal baby that's born, let's out that first cry. And boy, isn't that great when they come out, wah, 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 and they're just screaming like crazy. I believe that when Jesus let out that first cry, every demon in hell shook because it was a war cry from the Son of God. It was God announcing in this tiny little innocent baby, looking so weak and, and, and so baby like, that cute little baby. That was that was the, that was Jesus saying, "I'm here!" I'm here! Game on! All right? We're talking about warfare. It was a cry, it was a battle cry. And all, can you imagine how dark this planet was before Christ arrived? dark and demonic. So when Jesus comes in Luke 4, he's throwing the gauntlet down. Isn't it interesting? Look at the next verse. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they ask? This is Joseph's son, Joseph the carpenter. This is the carpenter kid down the street that was playing with Aaron Brown when he was in second grade class at school. We know that kid. Uh, Who is this? The carpenter's son. Isn't it interesting? Jesus was a carpenter What do carpenters do? They build things and fix things. What is the nature of his ministry? To build people and fix people and restore people. It's no joke that he's the carpenter's kid because what he's going to do, what he's doing in the natural, he's getting ready to do in the supernatural. Supernatural. But here's what I want you to see. When Jesus came, he brings forth the kingdom of God. How many of you know that was the central message of Jesus, was the kingdom? He declared the kingdom. And when you study the kingdom in the Bible, I want you to see this. There's multiple dimensions of the kingdom that we read about. In fact, the kingdom is very mysterious. The kingdom, Jesus said, has come in him, that's past tense, Jesus said one time the kingdom is near you, meaning it's close at hand, and then there's a whole bunch of other passages of Scripture which speak of the kingdom as a future event. It's a past event, a present event, and a future event. Well, pastor, you say, well, which one is it? Yes, it's all of them. It's It's a complex concept, but Jesus certainly is bringing, when he comes, he's bringing the already, and he's telling us about the not yet. Let's talk about the already, the scope of his restoration, the, the already. How many of you know everywhere Jesus went, first of all, he was overcoming physical misery and he was bringing healing to people. Amen? I, you know, we can look at Luke 10, 8 through 9. I can give you a bunch of passages of Scripture. Just read the Gospels. Jesus came and overcame death and he brought resurrection from the dead. Jesus came and brought the kingdom, and he brought uh, deliverance from demonic oppression in people's lives. Don't you love those passages in the Bible where Jesus shows up at church, and the demons start going, ah, we know who you are, ah, and he says, shut up, and he tells them to get out of there. The demons were freaking out every time he came into their midst. Why? Because it was a foretaste of what's, what's coming for them. Look what else he did. He overcomes our rebellion, and he brings us to a place of conversion. How many of you have experienced Jesus overcoming your rebellion? Come on, being born again. He overcomes condemnation, and he brings forgiveness. He overcomes our sadness, and he brings joy. Of course, the gospel is the good news of great joy for all people. So check this out. Every time we see Jesus show up, when he walks into the room, everything changes. Now, this is why, by the way... And I want you to join me when we're crying out on Sunday, Jesus, when you walk into the room, everything changes, sicknesses flee. Uh, Come, Lord, we, we want you, we want you, we want you. know, we're crying out for God. Why? Because we believe that when his manifest presence is here, people are healed. People are set free. People raised from the dead. People are born again. How I many of you still believe God does all those things? And he does them with even greater intensity when there's a manifest presence, when there's a move of God. And so we're, we're crying out, and I want you to join us. That's why we're doing our Revival Rising class. We're trying to create a vision for what happens in one moment when God moves with power as compared to years of ministry that's just normal ministry. God, when God shows up, stuff happens. Well, guess what? God showed up in Jesus And stuff happened everywhere Jesus went. That is what we call the already. And I want you to hear me in balance this morning. My desire is that we experience more and more and more and more and more of the already of the kingdom of God. Now, how many of you know there are some people, certain branches, certain churches, certain denominations, that go to one extreme or the other? And when we talk about the already, there are some people that don't believe God heals today. They don't believe God does these things today. They don't believe these are even for today. How many of you know Jesus should dispel all those myths because when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom. And, he, and what did he tell his disciples to do? Go and do likewise, right? Heal the sick, cast out devils. Who's supposed to be doing that? We are. That was the word the Lord through Christ this morning. We're carriers of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom? It's the reign of God. Wherever Jesus reigns, his kingdom is manifest. How many of you want God to reign inside of you? Amen. Lord, reign in me. When Jesus is reigning in me, then he can reign through me to bring blessing to other people. So don't fall for the trap that that the kingdom is, is... is for a future time only, and that God's not doing these things today. He is, and we should be expecting God to move. I love David's testimony of his son. Wasn't that powerful? We should expect God to move, but let me switch to the other side just a little bit. I want to talk about the not yet, and this is where I think we just need to be reminded a little bit this morning, because having been a pastor now for three decades, you see a lot of things, and I hope you Also, if you have eyes wide open, you see a lot of things, okay? Let me give you an example. How many of you were watching the prior to Easter on Good Friday, watching the news accounts where some Christians in Egypt, Coptic Christians, were worshiping on Good Friday, and a bomb exploded in their church, a terrorist bomb? And I saw the pictures from that atrocity. Bodies strewn everywhere, blood everywhere, babies that were blown up. It was an absolute atrocity. It broke your heart. Now, how many of you ever look at something like that and you you ask this question? Lord, why? I'm just being honest. Anybody ask that question? Okay, we got three people. The rest of you are just under a veneer of religion right now. Um, We ask those questions. This was Good Friday in church, worshiping Jesus. Terrorist attack. I've already told you why. Because we're not home yet. This is enemy territory that's being, that's being contested right now between God's people and Satan. Now, how many of you also saw testimony of ISIS being attacked by wild, uh, by, uh, of course, wild, wild lions that came out of the woods and attacked ISIS? Anybody see that account? I saw another account of people that were praying. That they were facing death in the face, they're praying, and basically they said, Lord, we give our lives into your hands, which is a good place to be, amen? And wild boars came out of the woods and drove a bunch of them off and and messed them all up. And all of us are going, yeah, yeah! But only weeks before, we witnessed this terrible atrocity. I've also seen this. I've seen David's son healed, and I was talking with uh, Dan Junkie this morning because... I had the difficult task, along with the family, of doing the funeral for their son who died stillborn in the womb. How many of you know there's nothing that a pastor has to deal with that's more devastating and, and hard than that situation right there? A baby that goes full term and then passes away right before birth. I've also seen babies dramatically healed. There was a young man in our church that would have been the rock star of the youth group at the time, loved the Lord, outstanding young man, got a rare form of cancer. We prayed, we fasted, we did everything imaginable, we did everything we needed to do, we stood, we prayed for his healing, and he went home to be with the Lord. There is an element in our lives of the not yet that God doesn't ask us to try to figure out. He asks us to trust him with the day-to-day operations of what's going on and not to shrink back into one or two camps. We don't want to shrink into the camp that says God doesn't do this anymore. Oh, yes, he does. We don't want to shrink into the camp that says we've already got the full enchilada right now, and that we as Christians should never struggle, never go through pain, never deal with sickness, never deal with oppression, that that we should be immune from the attacks of life, as if somehow when we said yes to Jesus, that made us immune. That is also, I'm telling you, a deception. We are living in in the realm between two worlds colliding, and Jesus was the embodiment of those two worlds. Jesus brought heaven to earth uh, and he walked among us and released the kingdom wherever he went. It was a foretaste of what is about to come. Now let me show you scripturally what I'm talking about here because I want us to stay strong in faith and move ahead full of faith and believe believe in God for these things. But here's what I don't want. I don't want you to crash and burn when whatever it is you're standing for either hasn't manifested yet or didn't come out in your story, didn't end the way you hoped it would. I've seen a lot of Christians shipwrecked because they thought that God had put a period on something when really God had just put a comma there. Don't put periods where God's put a comma. All right? Look at the Apostle Paul, and I want you, you guys are bright, all right? You're alert. I want you to listen for a word that I'm going to repeat in this passage about a million times. If the Apostle Paul were writing... Uh, this for his English teacher, she would say you might want to consider using a slightly different word because you've used the same word 500 times in two verses, all right? Listen, and I want you to compare this with American Christianity and see if it's weird. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. Five times, Paul said, I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea, hanging on for his dear life on probably a piece of wood, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, "'Danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches.'" Hallelujah. That's the guy that the Holy Spirit spoke through to give us two-thirds of the Bible that we all hold so dear. Welcome to the war zone. When I look at people, at the mother, for instance, that's holding up her baby that was just slaughtered by ISIS, the Christian mother who refused to renounce her faith, and she's holding the bloody corpse of this child. I'm telling you this. We're living in a war zone. There's a future glory that still awaits. There's a God in heaven, and you ask this question, and I hear the devil mocking. Where was your God, lady? Where's your God that's so strong and so mighty and so powerful as you're holding your dead baby in your hands? After horrible atrocious things were done and you were forced to watch that with your own eyes. I can't even imagine as a parent what that would be like. Some of these reports we got back from Tony Perkins and some of the people in the know of terrible atrocities that Christian people had to endure all because they loved Jesus What is the message we have for those people? Just believe the Lord, trust him, and you'll live in a big house, you'll have a fancy car, your life will be pain-free. Is that really the gospel message in light of what we read in the Bible? Or are we living in a fairy tale zone here in the United States? Now hear me, I'm not anti-prosperity, anti-blessing, anti-healing, I'm pro all that. But I'm just telling you, if that is the epitome of your picture of the gospel, you're going to have a message that's incredibly inadequate for most of the people on planet Earth right now that are going through hell for the sake of their passion and devotion for Jesus. And it has nothing to do with their level of faith in God. In fact, I'd like to suggest they probably have a little bit more than you and I do on most days. This is not a faith issue. This is a battle zone issue, and our gospel better be strong enough to withstand the full onslaught of Satan and his kingdom as we contend for his kingdom in the midst of this place. Let me give you some examples from the Word of God to encourage your hearts this morning. What I'm telling you is this there is so much more to come. We're not home yet. We're not home yet. There is so much more to come. There is so much more glory to come. So much more healing to come. So much more deliverance to come. You're not home yet. Don't put your stakes down yet. We're passing through. Listen to Matthew 19. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And that just like Peter Look what Jesus says, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And I don't have verse 29 on the screen, but I want you to listen. And Jesus says this, every one of you who has given up houses or brothers or sister or father's or mothers, or property, or children will receive 100 times more in return and receive eternal life. You know, I pulled Dan Junkie aside this morning because I just wanted to honor him. Because you know what? When you're in a church that fights and contends and perseveres for God's glory and for healing, and, and the devil can come to you and say, you know what? Where was God when my son needed that healing? Where was, where were you, God, when, when my family was going through this situation? I mean, you know, the devil is a liar, and he punches you. He's a dirty liar. He's a cheapskate, and he doesn't play fair. I, I purposely pulled Dan Junkie aside and honored him and complimented him because, you know what, we fought the good fight. We laid hands on her womb. We prayed for that child, but here is the the yet-to-come part of it. God is going to raise up every lost child through accident, through sickness, through disease. Sometimes he raises them from the dead now, but you listen to me. As sure as you're sitting here this morning, I don't care what you have suffered at the hands of evil people in this world. There is a resurrection of the dead, and I told Dan this morning, I hope, I hope God lets me sit in on some of these Because I can picture what's coming. I can picture when the Lord pulls Dan aside and says, hey, I got somebody I want to introduce you to. And have you ever wondered what age you're going to be in the next life? (laughs) I wonder that all the time. But I'll tell you this. There's a continuity of existence where you're going to know who you are. You're going to know who the person next to you is. It's not like you're going to be saying, We don't, we're undeserved. No, no, no. Dan and Melissa and the junkie family is going to be introduced to the son who went on ahead of them. And listen, and only, I don't know how God's going to do this, but he does. You know, when you lose somebody, even if they're raised from the dead for a momentary time, how do you know we all die again? That's the curse of death. That's what's going to be finally lifted when Jesus returns. Death forever vanquished, all right? But listen, if there's a woman in this room that's been sexually abused, if there's a a man in this room that's been sexually abused, we go through all kinds of, of wicked things. You know, in this life, we experience restoration. God can take away, you know, he takes away the sting. We did two funerals last week. And there were a lot of people weeping. They didn't weep as people without hope. No, they, they wept as people with hope. But you know what? They wept, and they should weep because death stings. But Jesus comes, and he takes away the sting. But how many of you know you still remember? There's not a day that goes by when a parent loses a child that they don't think about. How old would they be? Oh, they'd be graduating this year. Those are things that don't get restored this side of eternity. But listen to me. They are going to be restored. There is a way that God is going to bring forth from the ashes and the pain of this life a full restoration. And I'm telling you, there is a great reward for those who have suffered the most. You think we're getting all blessed because we're standing on faith and God's doing this or that and we're, we're relatively immune from pain. There is a reward coming for that mother who watched her child slaughtered at the hands of some demon-possessed person, there is a reward coming when God presents that child back to her in a way that supersizes whatever she could have experienced in this life. And when God in a moment restores everything the devil robbed from her, that's what heaven is about. That's what the new earth is about. I'm telling you, our greatest day on this planet, we're living in a slum. You can go to the most beautiful parts of this world and look at the mountains and the water and all the gorgeous parts of this creation. I'm telling you, this earth is groaning under a curse even now. And God is coming in the fullness of his kingdom, power, and authority, and we're going to enjoy beauty and glory and wholeness like we've never experienced before. Revelation 21, verses 4 and 5, Jesus is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. And listen to me. There is still death, and sorrow, and crying, and pain. Any of you experiencing that right now? Come on, let's not be naive to these things. We still deal with disappointment. There's still gross injustice happening. There's still people. I know people in our church that went bankrupt because somebody didn't pay their bill and stuck them with a bill and said, basically, sue me. And they went bankrupt. Christian, going bankrupt. Now listen, we don't stop there. We get up. We forgive. And we believe God still restores because he's also the God of the already. God can take us out of situations, heal us, re- do reversals in relationships. There's amazing things that can happen. You know, I told this morning, we, we lost a child to, to uh, uh, miscarriage. And we call that child the tiebreaker. Because we got four boys and four girls. And I believe every child, when life forms, that, that baby has a soul. That baby is known by God. That life was cut off short for whatever reason, but you know what? I believe God's going to say, come here, I want to introduce you to your tiebreaker. (laughs) We're going to to get to enjoy that tiebreaker forever and ever and ever. There's a day coming when the Lord is going to wash, wipe away tears, notice this, forever. Verse 5, and the one sitting on the throne said this, he said, look, I am making everything new. Look at Revelation 22, verse 3. No longer, the Bible says, will there be a curse on anything. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. Let me close with this verse right here. I'm skipping ahead for the sake of time. Romans chapter 8. This is not in your notes, but listen to me. Romans 8, verse 20 through 25. Against its will, the Bible says, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in the glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope, For the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, Paul says, we don't have to hope for it because we already have it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. This is the posture we need to have now. Patience and confidence patience meaning you know what don't put a period where God's put a comma let him work this stuff out but confidence that you know what my eyes are set on Jesus and I trust him with my life you know I gotta tell you something I've been blessed with some sons that have some good wheels they're fast I just went to my son's track meet the brother is fast the kid can run and I got to tell you something. I love to watch him run. I used to go to Joe's track meets. I, I love to watch him run. See, I was born with severe club feet. My feet were turned so far in, my big toes were touching the backs of my legs. They were literally clubs. I was in cast at, at a matter of hours of age. I had casts on both feet. I, had, I didn't wear a pair of normal shoes until I was in sixth grade. I had to sleep with corrective shoes with a bar between my feet. To this day, I wonder why I don't like to sleep on my back because that's how I had to sleep, for God only knows how long. I am grateful to be able to walk. I am grateful to be able to to move. Um, but I'll tell you this, and I believe for healing. You know, I love that guy that was born without arms or legs. You know, I'm talking about Nick. The brother has a pair of shoes in his closet. That's what I'm talking about. Living in patience and confidence. The legs haven't grown out yet. The legs may never grow out, but in the meantime, I'm patient, and I got confidently, I got a pair of shoes in the closet. I think God just looks at that and goes, oh, you know why I love to watch my boys run? Because I never could run. And I still can't run. I tell Marion though, in fact, I tell Tim Vassar, because Tim Vassar was fast. Principle. I said, Tim, when we get to heaven, I got a glorified body. It's on, buddy. <laughs> now listen, here's my point. I've had my feet prayed for. I still believe God can absolutely transform my feet. But you know what? That's not my focus. Because you know what? I'm going to run like the wind. Forever. And you know what? You are too. I've watched Alex Malan every day, Alex and his precious wife, Jean. When Alex had that stroke, all he could do was blink his eyes. That's all that moved in his body. He was a goner, according to medical science. Alex walked into church this morning and does so every, every week that he's able to. It's been incredible progress in healing. Now, check this out. How many of you believe? He can absolutely experience the fullness of his healing and be transformed before our eyes now. I believe it. Now. And when the Lord comes with his power and glory, guess what? None of that is impossible. He can do it all. But here's the other thing. Here's 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 how my hope drills down even farther. He is going to be absolutely head to toe, rejuvenated, and listen, all that he lost or did not experience that the enemy robbed him from, this side, he's getting back with interest. See, my hope is not today, tomorrow, my hope is goes really deep to the one who says he's coming back to make all things new. The final judgment of God and the restoration of planet Earth and the renovation of every single one of us is absolutely certain. There was one great saint of old. In fact, his name is Richard Baxter, a great Puritan man of God, believed in healing. In fact, one time he was preaching, he had a tumor in his throat. While he was preaching, the tumor melted and went away. He was completely healed. He believed in healing. But he spent most of his life living in pain. And this is what he said he did. He said he started off his day by spending the first 30 minutes of every day meditating on the glory that was awaiting him. And it filled his heart with so much joy that it made these light momentary afflictions next to nothing. You know, my father has gotten quieter as he's aged. and It's not because his personality changed. It's because his body that he's carrying around sometimes isn't cooperating. Shoulders don't want to move. Pain in the joints. Hear me. I am fighting for his total healing to the day I die. But, but I'm not putting a period where God's putting a comma, because the full enchilada is coming. The whole, the fullness of the kingdom is coming. So we weep with those who weep. We grieve with those who grieve. We put up with the injustice and all the demonic garbage in this world. We do so with patience and we do so with confidence. Two things the devil will never take from us. And here's what I want you to do. Let's fight the devil together, arm in arm, for each other. Fight for your neighbor's healing. Fight for your neighbor's deliverance. Fight for someone's salvation. Fight for, fight, 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 fight. Fight till they're healed. But listen, but when there's a casualty, and there will be some, don't be shaken off of your place. The Bible says the whole earth is groaning right now. Why are we groaning? The picture God gives us is of a woman in labor. How many of you know there's pain and pain and discomfort? But when the baby comes forth, hallelujah, the pain goes away and you're looking at the fruit. God said this world is like a woman in labor. Things are going to be shaken. Stuff is going to increase. I'm planning on Jesus. How about you? Everything around can be shaken. I'm fixing my gaze on the kingdom of God, the one that did come, the one that's here now, and the one that's coming in its fullness later. Come on, stand to your feet. We want to worship right now. And I want our elders and pastors to come forward. If you need restoration in your life, in any way, shape, or form, we want to fight with you this morning. We want to pray restoration of relationships, marriages, kids, healing, finances, whatever it is, we want to pray with you. God is a restorer. As we sing this song, I want you to join us. If you need to slip out, be blessed. Don't forget our uh, grab and go marriage class at four. But let's worship. Get the restoration power of God moving through your life right now. Come on, let's sing.